Hello and welcome to episode four of the Life in Madland podcast. The first thing that I'm going to talk about today is all through the different types of people during lockdown. I've noticed there's a few kind of different lockdown stereotypes about. Um, I just want to say before I offend anyone, there's nothing wrong with being any of these stereotypes. They're just how I've noticed different people kind of reacting to the situation. The first one is what I have labelled the liberal ranter. So this is the person who is constantly writing rants on social media about Boris Johnson and his lack of action or his incorrect actions over the situation. These rants will often be a good three paragraphs long. You'll often find someone that's pro-Boris then commenting on these rants and then there'll be a kind of long debate going on within the comments. The flip side to this, my next stereotype, is the Daily Mail ranter. So this is the kind of the opposite. This is the person who's constantly writing rants on social media defending Boris. The main way in which I see people defending him is this kind of bizarre thing where they keep saying he's trying his best, so therefore you can't criticise him. Which I, I do find quite strange. You know, free speech, it's very healthy to criticise the people in charge of the country for their decisions and how they're doing things. So to say, no, don't bother criticising him, they're trying their best and that's good enough, is a, a somewhat strange perspective to have, in my opinion. Uh, the next stereotype, I have the working from home person. So this is the person who is working from home and is making sure that everyone knows just how hard they're working. So regular reminders of all the hours they're putting in and how they're not easing off, even though they're still at home. The more people try and convince me that they're working really hard from home, the more I suspect that they might be sitting around in their pants eating ice cream for most of the day. And there's maybe a bit of insecurity there, and that's why they're having to then try and convince everyone that they are still working really hard. Uh, the next stereotype, so I've put the normal stay-at-homers. This is most of us. This is most people who are staying at home and not making too much of a big deal out of it. They're just kind of getting on with it. And then the opposite to that, you have what I've labelled the smug stay-at-homers. So these are the people that are staying at home like 99% of us are, but they are constantly pointing out how better behaved they are than the people that aren't staying home. They feel this need to constantly make this comparison between themselves and then the people that they've seen on the news that are going out for a barbecue or something like that. I mean, obviously, you shouldn't be doing those things, and those people do deserve some criticism, but I feel like the people that constantly make that comparison are maybe a bit too keen to kind of have a, a clap for doing the right thing. Uh, my next stereotype, I have the positivity spreaders. These are the people that are constantly sharing reassuring memes to do with lockdown, to do with corona, constantly sharing um, kind of nice, uplifting little quotes about how everything is going to be okay. It's all going to get better in, in the end. And then the opposite to that, you have what I call the negativity spreaders. So these are the people who are constantly sharing things about how doomed we are, um, reminding everyone how many people are dying every day, and making it seem like the situation is never going to get better.
And then the last stereotype I thought of, I've labelled these as the tinfoil hats. So these are the people that seem to be completely convinced that this is all a conspiracy to do with 5G. Um, I mean, I have to be honest, I actually love a conspiracy myself, and I haven't looked into this one. Uh, so I can't confirm if it's as crazy as it seems to be on the surface. I'll have to have a look into it. Uh, but I have a few of these um, people that I've noticed just constantly sharing uh, things to say it's all a conspiracy, none of it's real. There's all these ulterior motives for keeping us at home. And again, it's fascinating. I will have to have a look into it to see if there is any anything about it that's at all believable. But from the little that I have seen, it does seem to be a, a little bit crazy to me. The other thing I was going to talk about today is technology. I'm very aware at the moment that technology is currently more important now than it ever has been. Um, without my Netflix, without my PS4, without my WhatsApp, without my various apps for video calling people, I would be really struggling with this. So I'm very grateful to technology at the moment. And I read a news article recently that was about technical problems that young people won't understand. So things that we had to put up with when we were growing up that are no longer an issue. And it named um, quite a few that you'd expect on there. So things like um, having to carry around a portable CD player before MP3s were a thing and having to somehow find a way of also carrying around a load of CDs to go into that portable CD player. Um, oh, most of them have gone out of my head now. That's the, that's the main one that I remember. But there was a few that I thought of that I didn't see on the list. So I've written uh, down four of them. So one of them, this will only be relevant to um, people that are into playing video games. But um, one of the things I remember from my childhood was not being able to save most video games. My main games console was a Sega Mega Drive, and probably about 95% of games on that, you weren't able to save your progress. And a lot of them could take a long time to complete. So, for example, you might be playing a game solidly for four hours, get onto the last level and die, and then you'd have to go all the way back to the beginning. Whereas modern video games, most of them auto-save, so every step of the way it's automatically saving and if you do die you only have to go back maybe a couple of minutes or at most maybe five minutes back into the game and you can quickly catch up to where you were uh, the other thing that i was thinking of was the days before whatsapp and the days when it seemed a lot more expensive to keep your phone going um Text messages, I feel like they used to cost, I'm going to say 20p or maybe even slightly more than that per message. And when you're a teenager, especially with not a lot of money, that runs out very quickly. So your credit became very precious to you. You would find ways of saying what should have been a really long message in a really short way just to keep it all to one message to save that money. Um if you had to call someone, that was when it really got drained quickly. 
this would uh, get more stressful when when you were a teenager when you started talking to girls and uh, I remember sometimes girls would would ask you to call them and of course you wanted to but then there was this part of you that was thinking oh dear I've only got a pound of credit left so it's going to be a bit embarrassing if I call them up and then suddenly the phone call cuts out so you'd call them and then you'd have to try and keep the conversation as brief as you possibly could which to be fair if you're as bad at talking to girls as I was was probably a bit of a godsend actually Uh, the next one I've put down is downloads now there's loads of reasons why downloads used to be an absolute nightmare um the obvious one is how long they took. I remember when I started downloading songs and it would literally take hours to download one song. If something went wrong with the download and you lost it halfway through the download or as often was the case when you were 99% finished with the download, it was heartbreaking. So you knew that you had to go through another few hours of having to try and get that song. And it was even worse when you had to download or when you downloaded a film or something like that it would just take forever you'd leave your computer on for hours and hours sometimes even when you were sleeping and then again inevitably you'd look at the computer and something had gone wrong at 99 i'm not sure why it always happened at 99 that's what seemed to be the case and the other thing with, with downloads so when you were downloading um the main one i remember downloading off was called limewire which a lot of people my age will remember And LimeWire was a person-to-person file-sharing program. And quite often, the download that you got wasn't what you thought you were going to get. So um, any teenage boys that were using the excuse of, I didn't know what I was downloading, there's a good chance they were actually telling the truth. I remember downloading things, and they would have nothing to do with what the file had actually been called, nothing to do with what I was actually looking for. And again, because you'd wasted so many hours downloading it, it was actually really annoying when you didn't get what you were trying to get. And the last one I've put down is searching for something decent to watch. We're very spoilt for choice at the moment. I mentioned Netflix earlier, and it's so easy to find something that appeals to you, uh, to find something that is critically acclaimed, that you know is going to be a good watch. It was not like that when I was growing up, when you just had television. 95% of television was absolutely terrible and it was so difficult to find anything interesting you would sometimes have to stay up till ridiculous uh, times at night to watch a good film you'd find yourself looking through the radio times uh, desperately trying to find out if there was anything on that day that was actually going to be of interest and quite often there wasn't to be honest like I said, it, it was very often those late night slots when they would have a film or a series that was a bit more interesting. And one of the reasons why I was uh, turning up very sleep deprived to school many times. I've written another story that I'm going to be reading to you. This one is very simply called P Lessons. And the name speaks for itself. It's kind of inspired by some of my memories of PE lessons back when I was a child and a teenager. So PE lessons. PE lessons at primary school were great, unless you forgot your PE kit. Mrs Richards, I forgot to bring my PE kit in today. Oh, for goodness sake, Tommy, 
Get into your pants then. Please, Mrs. Richards, I really don't want to do PE in my pants. Don't be so ridiculous. Nobody will even notice that you're in your pants. I don't know whether Mrs. Richards realised just how wrong she was. It's safe to say that everyone noticed when you had to spend an hour-long PE lesson running around in your pants like a complete idiot. The worst part was the girls. The boys would make comments, but the girls would give you a look. That look made it very clear that they were judging you. This was made even worse by the fact that the girls never seemed to forget their PE kits, so they never had to run around in their pants during PE. It's fine, Tommy, said Mrs Richards. You can just wear a vest on your top half. If I don't have a vest, can I wear my polo shirt? Of course not. That's school uniform. Anyway, who wore a vest? The only kids I knew that wore vests were the kind of boys whose mums cut their crusts off their sandwiches for them, and that definitely wasn't me. My sandwiches were made from doorstop-sized slices that took about an hour of solid chewing before you could swallow it. How I longed to be one of those kids that had sandwiches made from pre-sliced white bread with bits of ham or cheese hanging symmetrically out of the side. But no, my dad definitely didn't buy white sliced and he definitely didn't put me in a vest every morning. No amount of pleading was going to make any difference. I was going to have to do an entire PE lesson in my pants. As we walked out to the playground, I looked down in resentment at my stripy Y fronts. For the love of God, can my dad just not buy me some boxer shorts? I could already hear the giggles of the boys, but the worst bit was yet to come. We were going to be meeting up with the girls. They got changed separately from us, but we did our PE lessons together. As we marched out onto the playground, the girls were already there, waiting for us, and I was the only boy in the line without a bloody top on. The look they gave me was one of judgement. I wanted to say, come on, it's not as if I chose to do PE in my pants, but of course I didn't say anything. It was especially annoying because we were doing a basketball lesson. I was usually pretty good because we had a full-size basketball hoop in our garden at home, and my brother and me often spent hours just practising shots. However, it's pretty difficult to play basketball well when you're feeling extremely self-conscious and you're freezing your nads off in a pair of Y-fronts whilst desperately trying to ignore anyone looking at you. Therefore, I didn't put in one of my greatest sporting performances that day. When I went to high school, I thought that the humiliation of having to do pee in your pants would all be over. I mean, surely they wouldn't make pre-teens and teenagers go outside in their underwear. That really would be cruel. And I was right, they didn't. However, our PE teacher, Mr Brooks, still came up with a way of humiliating anyone who dared to forget their PE kit. He called it the spare box. A fairly innocuous sounding title. This meant that the first time I forgot my PE kit and Mr Brooks told me to go and get something from the spare box, I didn't really think anything of it. That was until I actually looked inside the box. The sly bastard. He had clearly taken some of his own time filling this box with the most embarrassing items of clothing he could find in the lost property box at school. Keeping in mind that the spare box was only for boys, he had managed to fill it up with the girliest looking clothes that he could find. All of it was just awful. Frilly blouses, pink shorts, something that looked sparkly. The least embarrassing outfit I could put together from this concoction was some jean shorts and a pink jumper. 
The jeers from the other boys were immediate as soon as I walked past them. Mr Brooks, is this seriously all you have for spare kit? These are all girls' clothes. Well, you shouldn't have forgot your PE kit then, should you? I know, but did you have to specifically only put girls' clothes into the box for boys? I didn't have to, but I bet you won't forget your PE kit again. I couldn't argue with Mr Brooks' logic, and I had to admit, unlike most of the other teachers I knew, he was actually quite clever. At least we didn't have to do PE in front of the girls, so they wouldn't be able to see me in this new ensemble. There were, however, occasions where we did have to do PE in front of the girls, usually because there wasn't enough space for equipment to go around. Now we all had hormones and were in love with at least one of the girls, there was a new level of stress when having to do PE in front of them. There were two ways that you could try and impress the girls. Either you could try to actually do well at the sport and be one of the better ones, or you could just piss about and try to be funny. My approach depended on whatever we were doing in PE that day. If we were doing athletics, I would try my hardest because I tended to be quite good at it. But if we were doing something like trampolining, which we actually did do a few times, then I would just piss about and try to be funny. This was bearable until we were doing football with the girls one day. At the end of the session, we had a mini tournament where teams of boys would play against each other and then teams of girls would play against each other. Right, said Mr Brooks. Team one, you're going to be shirts and team two, you're going to be skins. Of course, I was in team two which meant having to take my top off in front of all of the girls. I was absolutely dreading this until I heard a commotion coming from a different part of the gymnasium. A boy called Justin, who was quite overweight, was in floods of tears over having to take his top off. His tears were saying what most of the rest of us were thinking. To my amazement, Mr Brooks still insisted that he took his top off, and poor Justin spent the entire tournament playing football in tears. This meant that all of the eyes of the girls were on him rather than the rest of us. We all felt sorry for Justin. All of us had our insecurities and our awkward 12-year-old bodies, but it instantly became obvious that Justin's insecurities might be worse than most. When the session was over, quite a few of the girls rushed over to Justin. They were giving him hugs and consoling him. Oh my God, are you okay? I can't believe Mr Brooks made you do that. Yeah, if it makes you feel any better, you've got nothing to be embarrassed about. These acts of kindness from the girls instantly brought the smile back to Justin's face. Maybe if I squeezed out a few tears, they might have come and reassured me. Nah, it was too late. Plus, I'd been trying to build up this class clown persona, and crying might have ruined it. Upon seeing the girls comforting Justin, the most popular boy in the school, Mark, went over and slapped him on the back. You are right, mate. I might have a word with Mr Brooks and tell him that that was well out of order. At this, the girls melted. Mark was a clever guy. He spent half his time at school making fun of the way people looked, but he had well and truly taken his perfect moment to be the nice guy. The best PE lessons were swimming lessons, because I had an allergy to chlorine so I could just sit on the side with a book. I mean, this allergy to chlorine was very mild and I could definitely have gotten to the swimming pool, but I hated swimming lessons, so I was going to keep making sure that I took that sick note in. By that point, there were always a couple of other boys who would come up with some excuse to not go swimming, so we would sit and have a chat whilst the other boys had orders barked at them by some hairy lifeguard who had stood at poolside.
There was one time when one of the nerdiest boys in the year, a boy called Gary, forgot his swim shorts. He was too scared to say anything, so he just did the swimming lesson in his boxers. This was all going fine until the end of the lesson, when he got out of the pool and he regrettably found out what happens to white cotton when you swim in it for an hour. Why didn't you just say that you didn't have your swim shorts? One of the boys asked him. Because you can't just miss out on a lesson, Gary proudly proclaimed. For God's sake, Gary, shouted the teacher, go and put some trousers on, will you? So that was my story PE lessons. And I enjoyed writing that. It brought back some funny memories of PE lessons and also made me think about just how much things have changed. If nowadays you were to, I mean, no one would want to do this anyway, but if you were to uh, get a child to do a PE lesson in their pants or make a boy wear girls' clothes for PE lessons, I'm pretty sure you would just get fired for it. But when we were kids, that was considered absolutely fine that kind of humiliation and it it was very humiliating I mean I won't say it scarred me I look back on it and I actually think it's quite funny but it's probably a good thing that we don't do things like that anymore but anyway thank you as always for listening to my podcast again let me know if you have any ideas for what I could talk about in future podcasts keep looking after yourself stay safe and thank you for listening goodbye